just having a father figure not only in it, it gave me a very clear visual of what you know taking a a path of education can can lead to right it gave mm-hmm. me a very very clear visual on you know respecting women respecting myself as a man how to conduct myself that kind of thing right and a lot of my friends didn't have that mm-hmm. um so my upbringing yeah and i like it's tough because um as time went on our trajectories differed a lot you know i lost a i lost a lot of my friends to you know to crime and and that kind of thing and it wasn't like it wasn't the prettiest thing but it's a fact of life right mm-hmm. um and I guess my struggle right now is how do I, how do I, where do I place these relationships and how do I continue to nurture them, if even. Welcome to the Imperfect Podcast, where we discuss masculinity more intentionally and purposefully. On this episode, Pablo and I go deeper into our conversation about creating things we're passionate about, mental health, and the importance of fathers and mentorship in a young man's life. Pablo also talks about growing up in the Rexdale neighborhood and how that affected him and his friends, and how he's constantly trying to dig deeper into himself with meditation, reading, and creativity. Um, you know... I really value this this conversation with Pablo a lot in regards to seeing how he sees things, seeing just the amount of patience um, and kindness this man has in his heart is um, amazing to witness and be a part of. And I just um, hope you can hear that and just the softness of his voice and how he carries himself and how much he actually wants to be a better person. And I, I really hope you pull a lot out of this conversation. But uh, thank you, and I'll see you on the other side. let you introduce yourself yeah. right now um, and then we'll go in deeper from there perfect um, can I just yeah just any any sort of anything way? any way that you want to describe yourself cool. or brand yourself cool so um, Pablo Pablo Melandu um, 23 year old um, creative and dreamer and doer um, I am a musician um, I am also very passionate about um, anything related to business and entrepreneurship um, and just adding value as a whole. Um, still figuring things out, <laughs> but uh, who isn't, right? Yeah. Um, it's pretty much it. The very, very umbrella yeah. intro. But I like that when you said uh, you're a doer more than like you're a dreamer, but you're also a doer. That's something that I really respected about you when I got to know you because we, mm-hmm. we met at Laurier for those that don't know in Golden Speakers Club um, and you know I found your energy just very radiating I was like this guy seems like a dope person yeah. and then um, you kind of went off yes. like social media for a while and then yes. I saw you were making music I saw you were doing a lot of creative things I saw you had like you had a finance uh, podcast I at d- one point I did I did yeah, yeah. I, I, remember <laughs> I almost forgot about that <laughs> But I've always been like, man, this guy, even if it doesn't work out the way he wants, he's mm-hmm. going to do it. He's going to, um, the, he's not going to let his dreams stop him. And if his dreams change, he's not going to let that stop him either. He's not going to stay on one thing mm-hmm. just because he feels like he has to commit to it, mm-hmm. which is very like Gary Vee. Like, I don't know if you watch Gary Vee. I do. Yeah. I so do. it's very Gary Vee, but before Gary Vee, I thought was really famous or popular. Yeah. Um, and so I think you've always been like a very good role model to me in that aspect and then I was so happy when you when I saw your Facebook post the other day yeah or like maybe three weeks ago or four, some weeks ago yeah right. some weeks ago um I was like oh my god he's back <laughs> and then uh I was thinking about reaching out to you and I think literally the same day you reached out to me being like hey Luke like I what's did. up and I was like oh my god like I was gonna reach out to him um and that's kind of how we got to where we are now yeah but I'm really excited that's for awesome. you to be here yeah it was just all very fitting I was like I've 
even when your time was off or off social media, I was like, where is this guy at? Like, mm -hmm. I really miss him. I really miss the things that he was creating. What is he doing now? Thank you. And so when I saw you come back, I was like, thank let's you. Let's go. I yeah. appreciate that. Yeah. For, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's great. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Um, yeah. And I, I'm so glad to see what, where your like your media ventures have taken you because I, I remember you experimenting with photography mm. back in school and you, you very quickly turned that into you know a gig for doing it for clubs and all that all that jazz and uh, now it's transitioned to podcasting yeah um, so media it's such a big like there are so many ways to explore your creativity um, and explore yourself as a person so it's just really cool to see where it's taking you yeah um, and I have a heart for anyone that's you know doing anything creative one but two um, media specific um, it's because you know it's it's tough just translating who you are as a person into a digital realm right mm. and just maintaining that authenticity and I think your prem like the premise of the imperfect podcast does that so well you know yeah. translating real life authenticity into the into the digital world yeah um Thanks. So, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, no, no problem. I, I've always been fascinated by who you are as a person, who you are as a, as a man, and how that's kind of translated into who you are now. Mm -hmm. um, so kind of like going into, we spoke briefly beforehand, um, going into your time off of social media. I'm really interested yeah. uh, in that aspect. And um, like, what was the reasoning behind that? Yeah. How did you stay connected with friends? Like, what was kind of the energy there, especially in the social media heavy time? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was definitely, a, it was definitely um, a result of me trying to. Now, in hindsight, it was more of me rebelling. But okay. at the time, um, being immersed in all of these emotions, it didn't really feel that way. Um, mm -hmm. It just felt like um, I was always trying to pivot from this current path that I was heading down I never got a chance to and after school like after I'd finally gotten my degree it was my time to really pivot into who I felt was always me um and so I was very groomed for uh for that whole business you know finance lane that I was heading down um and that I went down for most of my life and then um that degree to me felt like a ticket of or like a pass to go now explore myself create creatively mm -hmm. um, on 10, right? And so um, when I would log on to social media, it was just a reminder of a life that I didn't really choose, right? Um, well, I did choose it, you know, if we're, if we're talking about maintaining accountability, I, de I definitely did make these choices, but um, it wasn't a life that I was in love with and was passionate about. And so when I'd go on social media and I'd go on LinkedIn and I'd go on, um, you know, my Facebook and my Instagram, it was very centered around a life that I wasn't wholeheartedly passionate about, right? Mm -hmm. um, there was school, there was, you know, the corporate world, there was all that kind of thing. And I'll always have a space in my heart for that stuff, but it wasn't me as a whole. And looking back, it was just the fact that I had neglected um, a part of myself, the creative part of myself. Um, Anyway, so that, um, I was going through, it was, it was pretty messy and I was going through a lot of like different, um, emotions and a depth to those emotions I had never really felt before. And I guess one of my methods for, um, I guess clearing the mess was to just get off of social media mm. and really just try and find my voice again. Um, cause I felt like I had been speaking, um, other people had been speaking through me kind of thing. Um, so I got off of social media and a lot of people feel like their world ends when mm. they head off of social media, right? But, um, you know, social media is only as, like it's only really relevant if you are relevant on it. Mm -hmm. Like it's only, you know, it's only relevant if you are active on it, right? And so you can have social media, but just not be posting anything and no one's really going to be checking for you, mm -hmm. you know? So in that regard, like I didn't really feel like life had stopped the same people I was connecting with on social media. I was connecting with off of social media, mm -hmm. you know, I saw the phone, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I still had a phone. So life didn't end. Mm -hmm. In fact, it probably started in a lot of ways, you know, um, and so I figured out a lot of things, but 
funny enough, I'm I'm I find myself going back again to that sort of off the grid kind of lifestyle now, um, or at least I'm getting ready to. Yeah, I don't think there's anything to get ready for. Yeah, <laughs> um, just because it's I still haven't figured out the right way to be myself. Yeah, on the internet. Interesting. Yeah, you because know. you started. I've seen you start posting more. Yeah, I forget what the name of the is. It just your name? That's the Instagram yeah. Name? So um, it's it's really just my like my Instagram handle is my name. Yeah, um, Pablo Melandu, um, and the stuff I was posting on there was um, tidbits that I get from everyday conversation, just like this, and like I take the best two sentences, mm-hmm. and then I post it because I feel like I engage in so much. Uh, rich insightful conversation that I'm like okay there's probably other people in the world that can use this kind of yeah that can be that this conversation can benefit um and that's what I was doing and it kind of expanded into full form blog articles and then YouTube videos and IGTV videos yeah um but I still haven't all the way figured that out yet mm-hmm. I feel like you only figure things out by doing them mm-hmm. which is why I just kept doing it but um, when I reflect on it now I'm, I'm in a weird I like my head's in a weird space with all that kind of stuff yeah um, because I'm still posting it but I'm still looking at how many people liked it mm. yeah you know like I'm constantly refreshing the okay. likes which is a metric at the end of the day and if you want to be successful in the digital space you gotta be aware yeah of those things like, I'm sure you're aware of, like, how your podcasts do it yeah. week over week, right? But that became one of the driving factors. Yeah. And it, it's it's funny because we're so... P- people tell us all the time not to pay attention to the likes. But in any business, you pay attention to the metrics. Yeah. Right? Even if it's not a digital business. And you let that drive your decisions. Which posts are most popular, mm-hmm. right? Um, but yeah, it's tough. I don't know. I don't know where my head's at with that yet. No, it makes yeah. sense. I I had the I've had the conversation recently about likes on Instagram, and I think you know, if you're posting for likes, and you think getting, I understand both sides of it, I guess, mm-hmm. and that getting rid of likes would help people just post things that they want to post and not care anymore about. Um, I guess whether it's high quality or not, or like if it's not true to them. Um, but also, I think that if if you put the onus on the platform to take to help you increase your self esteem, all you're gonna do is try to find that lack of self esteem somewhere else. Yeah. And like, it's not actually a healing process for you internally. Right. And so, like, I think we need to put. Sure, we can have applications and platforms that promote that but mm-hmm. it's not going to do anything if you don't actually reflect or take some accountability on that as well yeah. it's different when you have like a I would say it's different when you have a business page and you're like your livelihood is kind of depending on it um, I kind of just post what I want to post anyways like I don't really mm-hmm. give a sh- I've never given a shit about what people really that. think like yeah. I don't edit my photos I if I have, like come up with captions with my friends mm-hmm. and then if I like their caption more then I post it but if not it's like I don't care if it's a, the highest quality photo I don't take many photos of myself most photos that I have of myself are on my Instagram yeah because I don't take like it's all b-roll on my phone if anything mm-hmm. um, and so but there was something that you talked about that was interesting there about how you had to pivot to who you always thought you were yeah. like so did, in university and whatnot, did you feel like you weren't who you were? You said you were kind of um, um, nurtured to be an interested in business and finance. Yeah, so um, <laughs> so um, I'm my reasoning for going to university was really twofold. Yeah. Number one, that was my way of um, getting out of Rexdale. Right, I had no money to be able to afford an apartment. You know, I was like seventeen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, couldn't afford my own apartment, um, and my parents weren't going to move anytime soon. So mm-hmm. the only way for me to realistically, physically leave, because I knew that that was important, um, was to go away for school, right? And um, so that was number one. And then the university just kind of took its own course. Um, but number two, I always knew that, um, you know, 
I come from a you know a good middle class home, which mm-hmm. is a very it's very much a rarity where I'm from, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I had both parents around, and I had a father figure around, and my dad is a uh, my dad's in in the business world, in the corporate world, right? And so I had someone to look up to. I knew what security looked like. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew what stability looked like. Um, and to emulate that and to you know to bring him some sort of satisfaction and please um, was rewarding to me mm-hmm. as difficult as it became um, and so that was definitely a driving factor for me but to say that I did it for my own like to say that it was intrinsically motivated um, that's that's tough you know, because I was doing it to gain validation from this superhero of mine, right? Or I was doing it to um, just to emulate what I thought um, was safe and successful, right? But it wasn't like, it wasn't where my heart was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Does that answer your question? I think so. Like I, 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 it was just like the way you worded it that I thought mm-hmm. was really interesting, and in that it didn't seem like because when you talked about Instagram and social media, you said like that's not who you were. When you went to university, you felt like that yeah. for four years you weren't really, weren't really who you were. Yeah, you always kind of felt out of place, I guess, in a lot yeah. of ways. When and to yeah. me, you have never looked out of place. Like to me, mm-hmm. you, I thought you fit in very well. Golden Speakers was like a very well known club. It's when you started to grow. Yeah. Like there was definitely hype around you guys as a the executive team and whatnot. Everyone mm-hmm. loved what you had to offer. I'm not sure what it is now. I remember I don't think it's at the same place as it was. Mm-hmm. Um but I just thought the way you worded it was kinda like how you were saying, you know, you're you needed it to get out, but it wasn't who you were and then you kinda use your platform. Uh, to try to find your voice, you realize that that wasn't your voice. Yeah. And so, like, this kind of, like, shifting narrative. So, it's clearly a lot of self-reflection. You know what, I, what it is now that I dig deeper and deeper? I think um, it's still a part of me, mm-hmm. right? But it wasn't encompassing all of me, right? And I can't, have, even in music, like, if I try and... It's tough for me to just focus on one, one part of me, right? Um, without acknowledging the other, you mm-hmm. know? And... If I do that for long enough, then I'm, I'm just going to rebel completely and I'm going to pivot, right? Yeah. So being in a space where I can tap into, you know, the business and the professionalism and all that jazz, but still incorporate the creative side to a high degree, that's me, mm-hmm. you know? But when I'm in school and I'm not doing anything remotely creative, then it's like, okay, I'm going to have a tough time sustaining yeah. this, Yeah. you know? And... At the time, um, when I really wasn't doing any sort of like um, self-reflecting, that like my whole perception of that internal of that circumstance was okay. This is not me at all. Mm-hmm. It really is a part of me, but just not all of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. So how much? That's interesting. That like, how much do you think you can get out of all of you? Like, yeah. what is there something that you think? could get all of you I guess so that's uh, what I'm searching for right now Um, and it's funny because I find myself getting really frustrated at how messy it can be Mm -hmm. but I'm the one that is trying to preach to other people to not get caught up in the mess Mm -hmm. and just let it sort itself out Um, but something something in you know honestly like a media company right is something I'm really looking to grow um, mm-hmm. because it's it's a business but it's very media arts mm-hmm. entertainment you know oriented right um, anything where I can um, make a business out of my creativity out of my passion for providing value well that's very general but mm-hmm. um, that that would be me and it has to be like it can't I don't I don't think I have a niche (laughs) yeah you know I don't think I have a niche and that's to my benefit but also to my detriment yeah Yeah. I I agree like I have a vision for what I want in the future too and it's kind of a media company Mm -hmm. but it's like five different things like they're not all the type media some of them wouldn't think of it as media 
uh, I think of it as a media platform. But like, for example, I want to own real estate. Yeah. But use it in a media way. Mm-hmm. I I can't. I don't want to go into details because it's like still like intellectual property, I guess. But, yes. Yes. Um, like I do have an idea for what I want in the future of how to make things that aren't traditional media become media. Interesting. Um, and uh, but yeah, like I I definitely think you're on the right path to getting there because you do a lot of things. You are a doer. Um, we also talked kind of about, um, you kind of touched on your neighborhood and whatnot, but I'll go into mental health and anxiety first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, was that something that you grew up with? Were you all, is like creativity an outlet for kind of healing? Yeah. Um, were you always a creative, even like when you were a kid, like your parents tell you like you were always making stuff? Like kind of what is your background in that? Um, so <laughs> music, I kind of just, uh, stumbled upon my own time on mm-hmm. my own terms um i don't have any sort of outside influence when it comes to you know the arts mm-hmm. at all um but i've always been you know creative i've always been musically inclined you know um and it was you know in relation to mental health music was my way of achieving stillness right a way of sort of um muting the chatter Mm-hmm. in my mind right and slowing down time right although I didn't know that that's what it was doing mm-hmm. that's why I tapped into it right and that's why it's probably been the most consistent thing in my life you know throughout all of the pivots and the thing that's transcended all of my different phases mm-hmm. um, music has has been there in some way shape or form whether it's making music or helping other people make music or just playing instruments you know mm-hmm. in some way um, being like a music, uh, you know, consumer and enthusiast, right? Um, and yeah, so that was my way of, um, of, you know, just digging deeper into myself. It's weird. I feel like um, the universe really communicates through us, through our pa- like through what we're passionate about. You know, mm-hmm. not only through people, but through what we're passionate about. For some reason, I put two and two together a couple months ago. I'm like, why is it that every time I, you know, I play my piano or I make music, I come out on the other side of this session um, with like a new outlook on life or like a new idea or a new way to approach relationships or something like that, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's what that's what music did for me, and it just helps me broaden my perspective and deepen my perspective on things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess we can we can go into mental health. Um, yeah. But that very much like my my uh, appreciation for music grew as I began to understand more and more that this was a medicine for me. You know, not only an outlet but literally a medicine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think that that's why music is such a universal thing? Is because it's like a, a medicine for a lot of people. Music. Yeah, um, sound, you know, there's no language mm. with sound, right? Sound is literally just frequencies, you know, um, and frequencies make you feel, make everybody feel um, a, specific, a specific way. And then we all have our own interpretations of, mm-hmm. of what it's doing to us. And it's, it's, it's really cool. Uh, when you really, really dig into it, and that's one of the reasons why I fell in love with it. It's, it's, you know, it's this method of communication that you can't feel, and it, you know, it pulls on your emotions and and your character and who you are as a person. Um, yeah, and it brings people together for sure. I feel like I feel I definitely feel like music is universal because it's just sound. Like there's mm-hmm. no language. It's like movement. To, yeah. yeah. Like, I love music that makes me move. Like, that has to be, like, almost the requirement for it. So, like, I love Anderson Pack for that reason. Like, he's a favorite, um, you know, uh, Kendrick Lamar. Mm -hmm. Anything that uses a lot of jazz, soul, funk, like, inspiration, I really like. Because I'll just be walking down Toronto and I'm, like, moving my hands. Like, I'm playing air drums. Like, I get super into it sometimes. Um, But 
I also found it interesting how you talked about stillness and reflection. Mm-hmm. Was that a byproduct of doing music or was uh, music a byproduct of being still? Ooh, definitely a by stillness. Me finding and achieving my stillness was definitely a byproduct of music. Mm-hmm. And then as I um, embarked on this journey of you know self mastery, that I you know very recently was introduced to, mm-hmm. I found that um, getting into a state of flow, right, is how we we activate that stillness, right, and. The thing that allows us to get into our state of flow is the thing that we are passionate about, right? The mm-hmm. thing that we love doing that helps us slow down time. And so music, so this uh, stillness, what at first and still is, was a byproduct of me doing music. But very quickly, like I became aware of what the music was doing. Mm-hmm. So now it's like a, like a feedback loop. Yeah, a feed. Great term, a feedback loop. Yeah, yeah. because. Um, do you meditate too? I do. Okay. So you're yeah. very intentional with your self-reflection. Yes. Okay. Do you think that's something that more people should practice? 100%. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've only been meditating for a couple months. Okay. Seriously. Yeah. And um, so my meditation practice is very, um, very much new, mm-hmm. right? And there's a long way to go. It never ends, right? But... Um, we don't often realize, especially nowadays, you know, where there's so many distractions, so many external influences, we don't realize, you know, um, how little time we reserve for just silence, which is important, mm-hmm. right? We're only silent when we sleep, and even then it's not silent because we're dreaming, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to intentionally bring quiet, quietness <laughs> into the mind um, is super super important super therapeutic mm-hmm. um it's difficult to have all of those thoughts be positive and be purposeful you know most of the chatter is just questioning yourself and you know reasons of why things can't go the way they should mm-hmm. or you're problem solving all the time and i like to like my my slogan right now is tap in because i feel like we have all of the answers mm-hmm. it's just we've got to quiet the mind a little bit and just do mm-hmm. you know and naturally we'll, we'll arrive to the right conclusions but yeah meditation is super important changing my life for sure I, I've always like I've tried a couple times to get into it mm-hmm. um, to no avail I feel like I like my mind loud I yes. guess like it's just something that comes very naturally to me I did it so I, when I lived in Japan we did a oh, we did no like way. a zen oh. yeah yes, I lived yes. in Japan for a month so um, when I was there, we did like a Zen master experience with the school. Yeah. And it's like the whole thing where you sit, you like cross your legs, the, the, the monk will come back and whack you with a stick and do things <laughs> like you're not, you're not paying attention, like yeah. hard. Um, and I don't, I, I couldn't, it was really good. What I realized in that process is that I could almost remember every thought I had that day. Yeah. Um, because I was just like, you have a thought, you're supposed to like put, put it to the side. And so for whatever reason, like, you know, one by one thoughts kept, kept coming back. I felt like my memory had kind of improved. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't really feel like it added a lot of value in terms yeah. of how I think about myself, which is what I'm really trying to figure out. Like, yes. I'm just trying to feel like how I can or how can I better connect with my ideas, my emotions, my opinions. Yeah. Like, I'm always thinking. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's almost bad because I can't find that stillness I can't find that silence yeah so I do that when I go home and like I spend 20 minutes every night like watching Netflix or something like that yeah um I, on the trains I try to read books and I like I write in them and I try to think about what I'm reading in the book like mm-hmm. I like my mind to be not still yes um but I do think there is a high value in finding that stillness and that's something I want to do because right now with work with trying to find a relationship with yeah doing the podcast with seeing friends mm-hmm. with now budgetary and financial restraints with OSAP and whatnot I just I get the payments start today so oh. I paid one yesterday and yeah. it was like a lot of money yeah um, and I still got a lot to go and it's just like now there's so much more and I, this this week I found it and last week I found it really hard to find any time to like just yeah. be alone yeah 
I'm hoping to do that when I go home after this podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, like there's just always things. Yeah. Hundred percent, dude. I don't blame you at all. You know, yeah. especially like. Yeah, I don't. I don't blame you at all. It really the way you're introduced to it. You know, um, the circumstances that are taking place in your life and the time that you're introduced to it. Um, you know, the purpose, like all of these things come into play, mm-hmm. you know, and there are also other ways of quieting your mind besides just meditating, you know, getting into a state of flow is one of them, you know, making time to do what you love. Mm-hmm. All of these things are, you know, semi or put you in a semi meditative state, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think that there's anything that um, is on par with straight up meditation for quieting the mind but it's it's very difficult dude mm-hmm. it's very very tough you know even now like i still find myself getting frustrated at the fact that i can't get it right yeah which shouldn't yeah shouldn't be but and i've read a book about uh buddhism and it's mm-hmm. talking about how like there is no right way of meditation yeah so you get mad at yourself you get mad at yourself because you think there's a right way yeah but really there is no wrong way of doing it exactly as long as you're like intentional about it like that's the main thing to do mm-hmm like it doesn't have to be oh you come out of every session being like I now know everything about myself it's like <laughs> yeah sometimes it's useless like or sometimes you think it's useless but in that uselessness you reflect on that yeah. and you're like okay how can I be better or something like that sometimes you know what I'm using it for meditate what I find myself using meditation for a lot right now is to figure out why I feel a certain way mm-hmm. you know because um, something could happen in the morning that we aren't really we're not really aware of the fact that it triggered us Mm -hmm. um, to be in a certain, you know, to feel a certain way, um, to be in a certain state of mind. And by the end of the day, you know, you feel stressed out or you feel frustrated and you don't know why, Mm -hmm. right? Because so many things happened since that morning event. And so just sitting down and just like letting these thoughts rise and just looking at them from like a observer's, you know, perspective Mm -hmm. or an outsider's perspective. Um, and just having like 10 minutes of that eventually it's kind of like oh so that's what's bothering me mm-hmm. you know and I might not find the answer to it or how to go about it but at least now I'm just aware sometimes mm-hmm. the you know it's the awareness um, that that benefits me more than anything yeah rarely do I find the answer <laughs> to anything grand but um, awareness has helped me a lot yeah that's that's interesting because I was just having a conversation with someone this week about how specifically this week after around I was meeting friends every day this week mm-hmm. um, after work but I always felt super tired after work yeah that's tough dude yeah and so, and so I wait like two hours in between because yeah. like I'm done at five obviously we're not we think our times don't align that I have to um, that we can meet up right at five thirty or whatever mm-hmm. so it's like we might wait till seven we might wait till seven thirty and then I'm like. I have like two hours to kill yeah. and I don't really know what to do and in that two hours I've become so tired like I'm high energy after work I could go out right after be amped but then there's two hours in between where I'm just by myself and I'm like oh, how do I maintain the energy I had throughout the throughout the day mm-hmm. then I get into meeting my friend and I feel checked out because I'm like just just dead I'm yeah. just tired yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but if I keep the momentum I'm able to like stay awake mm-hmm. but it also depends on how much am I valuing my time with this person and then I realize okay it's my choice to be more into this than I am because mm-hmm. um, it's really so it's kind of what you said in the sense of taking an outsider's perspective or figuring out what was the moment that you realize your day kind of went downhill and then mm-hmm. addressing that like I don't have bad mornings like I don't yeah, I don't yeah, know what same, it is yeah. <laughs> I just don't like I take a, you know, I take a train with some one of my friends like three days a week and she's just like, how are you this energetic this mm-hmm. time, uh, all the time? That's every so, morning. That's so cool, though. I'm like, I don't know. I just am. Like, yeah, I, yeah, you yeah. can't, like, people at work, like, they're like, oh, this guy's amped up to, like, just ready to go. Yeah. Like, I'm always just, my work days aren't bad. I don't put my work email on my phone because I don't want to be like, yes. first of all, there's almost nothing in my job that can be handled in the moment. Like, oh, okay. it's not, it's not like that high level. Yeah. Like, I'm dealing with, Fortune 500 C-suite executives yeah. on the day-to-day, they are not just going to like pick up my f- the phone mm-hmm. when I like 
doesn't work mm-hmm. like that. They're too high <laughs> yeah. like level for that. It's like, okay, yeah. we'll have a phone call a week from now yeah. to figure out whatever's going on. Um, nice. Very rarely is it like it can be solved right now. Yeah. Um, so, and then I know people, like some of my coworkers may happen to check their email Sunday night and mm-hmm. they're in a bad mood or like something happened on Sunday, they got an email from someone that they're talking to that kind of affects their Monday morning. Yeah. So I just don't put my work email on my phone Smart. at all because I'm like, I don't want it to affect my life outside of work. Yeah, man. And then if I come in on a Monday morning and I see that email, I'm like, like I'm not upset. I didn't. I missed this. Like, that's just not. Yeah, uh, that's so admirable, though. Yeah, good on you. So I try my best to do it. Um, I know it's not going to always be possible, but for right now it is. So I'm taking advantage of it. Uh, but I wanted to get into mental health and anxiety too. Let's do you you kind of talked about that uh, yeah. in our phone call. Um, like, what has it kind of been your experience with that? Ooh. As <laughs> an overall. Ooh. Um, Definitely very telling, um, very much a fuel of my growth thus far. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's interesting because, you know, my parents are both immigrants. Mm-hmm. Um, they weren't, like, there's no work, there's no, anxiety isn't a thing. Yeah, you know? just work through it. Yeah, anxiety isn't a thing. Like a, a term, yeah. <laughs> you know. So my what used to be my my short temperedness or my um, susceptibility to stress, like these weren't. This wasn't anxiety. You know, mm. this was just maybe a lack of patience or a lack of discipline, that mm. kind of thing, right? A lack of structure. Um, but wow. Um, when things aren't addressed early on, it becomes harder and harder to figure out root causes and harder and harder to figure out the right um, right ways to mediate the issues, right? And to, to heal, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I had a lot of healing work to do by the time I figured out what in the world was going on, right? Um, but I think anxiety, you know, especially as, like... A very a, like ambitious um, person who's very aggressive in the pursuit of my goals um, and a big thinker I'd like to say <laughs> um, it's it's very easy to to feel like things aren't going right you know especially like with our you know our our want for control all the time and everything right mm-hmm. Um, and our ideas of how success should play out, like all of these things play into, you know, the mind, like anxiety and the mind of an anxious person, you know, um, and man, growing up was tough because I, I didn't have anyone that could tell me why I was feeling the way I was feeling right. Um, throughout all of my endeavors, you know, um, nobody could tell me that, and I didn't know how to pinpoint why things were happening the way they were, but um, it affected my relationships, my family relationships, my ability to persist through school, you know, my ability to, to keep the big picture in context, right? Like, mm-hmm. there were times where I'd be in school, and I'd just say, you know, you know what, like, screw this, um, this doesn't matter to me at all and like I'd be totally fine with a, with like just throwing in the towel like midway through a course kind of thing you know um, or you know just walking away from broken relationships with family like anxiety is um, anxiety is very um, I want to say highly correlated with a want for control you know it might be one and the same almost right but um, that's something I needed to work on what I am glad though is that anxiety isn't a I don't believe it's a permanent thing like it's something that can be addressed mm-hmm. um, and initially my ways for addressing this um, were prescription medication like I was prescribed sedatives mm-hmm. uh, very mild sedatives though but um, what I found, especially as a creative, is that that 
not only sedated me as a person, but sedated me as a creative. Mm-hmm. Suppressed my ability to create. Very quickly realized that, okay, this wasn't my method. Um, and meditation came into play very later on, mm-hmm. very much later on, um, which has been the biggest thing now because I haven't had a bad day in like a couple months. Nice. <laughs> you know, um, just because now I'm like, I'm not one, I'm one with my thoughts. The thought happens, I see it for what it is, and I'm like, okay, engage or disengage. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing, you know. That's what that's what meditation has done for me. Yeah. But yeah, anxiety definitely ran my life for the last few chapters, for sure. I find that interesting that you said it's been a while since you've had a bad day. Mm-hmm. I've had, man, I've been. Um, I can't remember my my bad last bad day. Like I just, awesome. I can't. Like I don't know. I don't. I once had a neighbor. Well, no, she's still my neighbor. But one time she asked me, one time she asked me uh, this summer, she's like, nothing bad ever seems to happen to you. And yeah. I said, well, one, nothing bad happened. Like, nothing really bad happens to me, correct? Like, very privileged. I understand that. But two, yeah. I don't, if it, something bad does happen to me, I don't talk about it. I don't put energy into it. There you I go. just move on. There you go. And there I don't there. really, like, I have hardships, I guess. Yeah. But I don't it's really hard for me to think about them because I don't think about them. Mm-hmm. So it's, I'm like, oh, when was my last like bad day? I couldn't tell you, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Don't know. Yeah, yeah. I have... My great days stand out to me way more than my bad days. Right. Um, so I don't really know my last one. But I thought that was interesting. Like, you said that anxiety, one, is something that you can... You don't you don't have forever. Mm-hmm. And then two, you uh, it's a... It's like a power struggle. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I like... I hated in class when people were allowed to not present because they have anxiety. It's mm-hmm. like you've had, people have always had social butter, like yeah. you know, like or social anxiety or stage fright. Like that's a very natural thing. Mm-hmm. What you don't like is that you have to do it. Yeah. But I don't, I think there has to be positions for people to challenge those sides of them. Yeah. And like you may not like it, but I don't think it should be used as an excuse because every time that I go up to present. I'm nervous. Yeah. It happens. <laughs> yeah. But I think you have to push through. Like, I'm not saying that some people may not struggle harder than more, most, but I, there ha, it's, to me, there has to be more accountability yes. in working to overcome it. Because I think if you just, what I, I think the biggest struggle right now that we have in terms of mental health and whatnot is the lack of accountability. Yeah. Oh, um, dude. So. 100%, man. Um, Practicing accountability changes everything Mm -hmm. because you're taking your power back, right? Mm -hmm. When we don't have accountability, it's like as long as these external factors are present, we cannot live the life that we truly want to live, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's this person's fault or it's this thing's fault, you know, and as soon as we make it, you know, we take accountability for things, it's like, okay, I just need to change the way uh, I go about it or perceive it and boom, there you go, like... Mm -hmm. You can now have your way, literally. Yeah. Um, 100%. Accountability is huge. Okay. I want to go into now your upbringing. Yeah. Um, Because you've hinted on it a bit Mm -hmm. through here. Um, I know you're from Rexdale. I don't know too much about Rexdale, but I've heard things, obviously, about how it's not... Uh, maybe the safest place yeah. um, so kind of like touching on that what was your experience growing up what was your nurturing like yeah um, I know on the phone we talked about how you know you're one of the few people that you feel has kind of like throughout or um, you're a unique uh, circumstance and mm-hmm. coming out of that which is why I brought you this book which yes. is called why young men uh, rage race and the crisis of identity it's by uh, Jamil Giovanni he's yes. actually from Toronto yes thank you um, I think he's from the same neighborhood I'm not I can't yeah. remember exactly um, but he does talk about like Gene and Finch area and whatnot and you know his the first chapter he talks about um, you know the lack of father presence that he had and how mm-hmm. much that's probably like the biggest struggle for a lot of people in these in, like in these yeah. communities um, yeah. lack of male mentors you come up, you know, the the idea that of success that you have is basketball and hip-hop. Yeah. And so those are the two things you strive for, forgetting that 
your dad was a corporate man, for yep. example, that that is something that is still respectable. Yes. Um, so kind of like touching on that. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, man, I think this is important for me because this is this explains a lot. <laughs> this explains a lot. Um, Rexdale. Funny, I was with a friend last night. We were just mm-hmm. grabbing something to eat. And um, my friend said that there's no place that they would have rather been from other than Rexdale and we've spent most of our our lives trying to run away from it Mm -hmm. but it's it's so much of who we are and why we're able to you know remain grounded through these through these chapters right but Rexdale so I was born uh almost right at Kipling and Finch Mm -hmm. um and I lived there for the first 20 years or so of my life granted I left for school when I was 18 Mm -hmm. but first 20 years or so um it's definitely what you hear (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's one of the more notorious areas in Ontario and, and Canada, for that matter, um, for a lot of the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, f- you feel it growing up there. Um, I was, you know, probably the only person I know in my, my social circle, my friend circle, which was about, let's say, 10 or so growing mm-hmm. up, who had a father present. And that was just the norm, just Mm -hmm. a single parent home. You know, it wasn't something that our friends felt that they lacked. It was just the norm, Mm -hmm. right? You don't know what you don't have until you have it and then lose it, right? But if you've never had it, then, like, it's not something you lack, Mm -hmm. you know? At least you don't go about life in that way. But having that presence of a father figure... um, did so much for me now that I look at it right because we emulate our biggest heroes you know and if you don't have a father figure at the home you're gonna find one (laughs) Mm -hmm. subconsciously outside right of the home um and um life got really really real really really quickly for a lot of people right like Mm -hmm. it's it's it very quick for most of my friends um it became about you know how we are going to bring stability to our households how are we going to make money enough money very quickly mm-hmm. right um and it's tough to like i empathize with them because i've 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 lived it like i've, I've grown up in that space mm-hmm. you know um it's not easy to work a minimum wage job and have and then go to school and have patience like it's people do it you know but it's it's not easy like sometimes you have to resort to other means of acquiring income right Mm -hmm. um because sometimes situations are dire you know um and i guess having a father figure not only in it gave me a very clear visual of what you know taking a a path of education can can lead to Right, gave mm-hmm. a very, very clear visual on, you know, respecting women, respecting myself as a man, how to conduct myself, that kind of thing. Right, and a lot of my friends didn't have that. Mm-hmm. Um, so my upbringing, yeah, and I like, it's tough because um, as time went on, our trajectories differed a lot. You know, I lost a, I lost a lot of my friends to, you know, to crime and. And that kind of thing. And it wasn't like it wasn't the prettiest thing, but it's a fact of life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess my struggle right now is how do I, how do I, where do I place these relationships, and how do I continue to nurture them, if even, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and do you volunteer in the community now, or I like do. do you work with like? I do. I should have. Yeah. I totally should have brought that up, but. There's an organization called Trust 15. Mm-hmm. Trust 15 is one of the more prominent youth um, organizations in Toronto, but mm-hmm. they're based in northern Etobicoke, where mm-hmm. I'm from. And Trust 15, um, Trust 15 um, was built on like the idea of using mentor intervention, right, to help um, keep kids on. A right path to success, right? 
And so every week we're introduced to different people from different industries, just telling their story of how they got to where they were. That's it, right? Mm. And just giving a chance for us to ask questions. But what it was really doing was allowing us to see that this stuff is all really real. Like really, really real. Like there are actual ways to make money and make a living, right? Um, Doing something that is number one, legal. Number two, respectable and commendable, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And visual helps. Like it really does help, right? And so a lot of my my biggest mentors, my closest mentors um, have come from me being in that organization. It also gave me a chance to to assume a leadership role very early on in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, actually, I sit on the board of that organization, and I'm, I'm in Etobicoke once a week. Okay. Well, Rexdale, once yeah. a week. Um, just paying it forward. Yeah. You know, just sitting there with the men and, um, you know, making sure that they have someone to reach out to, mm-hmm. right, to ask questions or to help them navigate through the ups yeah. and downs, right? Trust 15 actually sounds really familiar, so it might... Yeah be in this book oh I'm yeah not, I'm not sure okay. I don't, I'm not going to put any promises but it sounds super familiar and yes. the only place that I think it would be familiar yes. is from this book um, but uh, yeah that's, that's really interesting like in this book he talks a lot about mentorship finding those models mm-hmm. he talks about going back to his community figuring out you know he talks about like the radicalization radicalization of men and mm-hmm. how it can it's just so easy yeah. what media doesn't tell you what media la- fails to understand what um he talks about a bit about the relationship between um, these communities and a specific, specifically like young African American men yeah. and the police, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's very interesting seeing his perspective because um, it's not really something that the media will tell you. It's, yeah. It is all about taking accountability, which I think you'd like. Just yes. when you were talk when we were talking 100%. yesterday, I was like, "This book, I'm going to bring it tomorrow when I 100%. when I talk to him because this like it's almost everything that you were talking about in our prep call." Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just thought it was fascinating. And the last guy I did an interview with, Olaf, yeah. uh, Olaf, um, he I wrote a book for him too. It was about philosophy because he's really into philosophy. Yeah. So I might start like actually like doing like almost a book per person. I like yeah, that's, it's just it's such a good gift. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really fun, and I write in them, so it's kind of like you see a bit of my mind in, the, in them too. Mm-hmm. What I thought was like a key point in the um, in the book. So here's this book Thank for you, you. My brother. Um, I appreciate it. But yeah, I, I think you'll find so cool. a lot out of it um, mm-hmm. from a more personal perspective. I For me, it was very outsider. Yes. So I thought it was interesting. But with you, you might actually relate a lot more to the actual content in it. Um, but yeah, like it just fascinates me how much communities like that exist. And like I don't really know about them. The media yeah. generalizes them. Um and all I see when I look at them is, you know, this is just a group of young men who have not been allowed mm-hmm. to be understood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think like that's the biggest shame of it all. And I, I want, I want to go into those communities. I've always had a dream of like going into a community and building like a recreation center, yep. and then having like a library upstairs where it's open office, yep. and I'm sitting there and anyone can come in whenever they want. Like, mm-hmm. I want to have like. That's been a dream of mine since I was in high school. And like I, I remember that. It's still with me today. Um, but I also don't come from that background. So yeah. I have nothing to offer. Like, I right. feel like I have nothing to offer. Mm-hmm. Except being a white ally. Damn. I think that's, like, the one thing that I feel like I would have. Yes. Um, Which is pretty important. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like... <laughs> I, I feel like that's all I got, but yeah. it's something that is still valuable. No, you definitely, but. you definitely have a lot of value to put, to bring to the table. I, I can, I can totally understand um, why or how, how it may be difficult to approach it. Mm-hmm. You know, hundred percent, because it is very, like, it's very delicate. Yeah, you know, it's very hard to do in the right ways. You know, to bring, to bring help, right? Um, so I totally understand, but I think your head's in the right place you know we need more thinkers like mm-hmm. that right um yeah good on you though yeah I, i'm trying like, yeah. I, I, like, I, in the future i want to yeah, have like yeah. an ex uh i want to have ex-convict yeah. like on this podcast mm-hmm. i want to have people that volunteer in those communities like yeah, that is yeah. a goal of mine to get there i want to i, I want to have someone from the toronto police on yes like i want to humanize or try to understand everything yeah. that we 
aren't mm-hmm. like transgender men or like a drag yep. queen or like a sugar daddy yeah. like those are the avenues I want to go down and explore a bit a therapist a male therapist like yeah, a, yeah. a sex um, maybe a sex worker maybe like a porn star I guess mm-hmm. um, but also like someone who's a sex therapist or something like that yeah. like there's just so many ways I think this could go yeah. um, that I'm really excited for but um, you like you talked a lot about the value of mentorship in getting out yes the impact of fathers yes um like what was kind of like the negative story that you have from your experience yeah and the positive and how that shaped you into who you are today yes specifically relating to my mentors and fatherhood yeah yeah that kind of thing um i think okay so um full disclaimer i love my dad (laughs) <laughs> I'm just gonna make sure I put that I lead with that um, I love my dad and I'm now getting to know him more than ever mm-hmm. um, now that I you know begin to practice accountability uh, unrelenting accountability um, and now that I begin to dig deeper into myself right and, and and to understand that my relationship with people is really just a reflection of my relationship with myself right? mm-hmm. um, now I think where me and where my relationship with my dad um, really like the struggle in that relationship really came from uh, us coming from two completely different worlds Mm -hmm. my dad uh, grew up in Congo um, in Africa in the 70s and Mm -hmm. you know early 80s Um, very different climate from Rexdale right and uh, he was very much, he was, he was very disciplined as a child, you know, mm-hmm. very um, academic focused. And uh, he had a zero tolerance to BS, right? Any mm-hmm. of the BS that I really found myself going through as a kid, right? And it was tough, like, because I didn't have anyone older than me to really bring these concerns to and these stories to and to vent to, right? So a lot of it was, like, held internally. You know, um, and I think that's where we began to clash because it was hard for him to sympathize mm-hmm. with a lot of the things that I may have been going through. You know, it was hard for him to sympathize or to empathize um, with the friends that I would bring around and, you know, their struggles and um, the ideas that we had of fun, mm-hmm. you know, um, and things that we just had to do to, to, maintain a reputation right and to fend for ourselves like he doesn't come from that world mm-hmm. you know to him it, it was like school everything school. which is funny because if i think about the congo i i think about like not that yeah 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 okay. it's uh now my dad comes from a history of like well his, his my grandfather his dad was a principal okay so it was a little different for him mm-hmm. growing up okay um, but yeah, my dad's definitely like a bookworm oh, kind of guy, yeah. right? And uh, for me, it was like I'm every day I I go outside. There's like a new temptation and a new way to you know land myself in jail or a new mm-hmm. way to you know get thrown off my path, right? He didn't really have those things, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so I think our relationship got really rocky. Um, especially during high school, right? My, what they say are the formative years, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're really just finding yourself, starting to start finding yourself, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, you know, I, man, I wasn't the greatest son, I'm not gonna lie. I wasn't, you know, I was, I was uh, very deflective, right? If that's even a word. Um, <laughs> I think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, I used to definitely like bad mouth my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I got into like partying really early on. Um, I was definitely influenced by peer pressure, like the whole the whole mm-hmm. nine yards, right, and everything that those translate into. Um, and I think that I didn't place a real importance on my relationship with my father. Mm-hmm. Right. Little did I know that he was the reason why I was able to um, carry myself through these things, right, without falling into traps, mm-hmm. right, carry myself through these stages without falling into real, like, life-altering traps. Um, 
but I wish if I could go back, you know, I definitely would play things differently with my dad, right? Mm. Um, Because he definitely knew what he was talking about, right? Um, If I could pin, there isn't, you know, a specific, in in terms of my relationship with my dad or any of my mentors, there isn't a specific point where I can say that that was the low in everything, but there was like a period of time Mm -hmm. where it was just like, I didn't have a real solid relationship with my dad by my own will Mm. by my own doing you know just being a stupid dumb teenager um who wanted to be a like a cool dude and a bad dude Mm. right completely just throwing away you know his his talents right or just misusing his talents um but on the positive side um man yeah, we got uh, apparently six minutes until six minutes. I think that guy gets this room. I think that's what he's there for. <laughs> On the positive side, though, um, my mentors have have introduced me to people, right? Like they've they've helped me start up a lot of my ventures and my projects, right? Mm-hmm. Like a lot of my ideas aren't always my ideas, right? They're like, oh, you know what? You should do this if you want to get in this space, mm-hmm. right? Um, like a lot of my ventures are my way of me. Uh, landing conversations with people mm-hmm. you know like I once had a podcast of my own so that I could begin to network mm-hmm. kind of thing you know like that was my way of networking um, and so mentors helped me expand my ideas of how to go about you know doing different things and mm-hmm. that kind of jazz does that answer your question at all yeah, yeah I think so yeah. yeah I think that was like the negative that you took out of your childhood and, and, and then also a positive Um, so this is, some, this is these are the three questions I ask everyone at the end of every podcast. Yeah. Um, you kind of touched on it there, but like, um, so something your father told you growing up, something you wish your father told you, and what you will tell your future children. So yeah. going with the first one, something wow. your father told you growing up that you really still that still lives with you. Man, so many things, so many things. I wish I could sit on this one a little longer, but one that's been coming up a lot lately. Um, that's helped me through everything is he always reminded me that the the number one way that you are judged is by the way you communicate um i can't say if that's a fact <laughs> yeah but that's what he led with right and where my you know grades may have failed me or where my work may have failed me um you know or where my let's say reputation may have failed me my communication kind of saved me yeah right just being a communicator and making people feel comfortable around me um you know being a communicator is um just as much of being a listener as it is being someone that articulates yeah. on things right you have a high emotional intelligence yes yeah i hope <laughs> I do. yeah um so definitely uh communication the second one um what i wish yeah what you wish your father told you my father told me This one, this one's tough. Sorry, give me, give me like ten seconds. Yeah. I wish my dad had told me. Um, that you can talk to me about anything. I think that would have just eased a lot. Mm. of my pains and my anxiety you know I would have saved me from doing a lot of running around you can talk to me about anything because yeah. there was a lot of things that I felt that he just didn't tolerate yeah you know um, and what I'm going to tell my kids yeah <laughs> oh man a lot but um I think the three words I love you um, just a lot more frequently you know Um, and granted everybody has their different ways of communicating that and saying that and 
but I think just saying it explicitly saying saying it explicitly I love you yeah um and that growth never looks the way we never goes the way we want it to yeah right yeah thanks boss uh, thank I just you. want to say some words to you first like before we go I'm doing like this this being honest with my guests that I really value so I really value coming on here and sharing I always thank thought you. you were wise beyond your years like even back in you were we're the same age but I was yes. like even when we were Golden Speakers, I didn't know you that well. The first time I met you, I was like, this guy's captivating. This guy offers a lot to share. Um, I love being around you and, and definitely hearing what you had to say and coming to you for advice. And I remember we talked about starting like a, or I started, I was thinking about starting a um, uh, spoken word poetry club mm-hmm. and you were like giving me advice. We talked for like 30 minutes about it. Mm-hmm. I still remember that conversation. It was in, it was at University of Waterloo campus yeah. on that stage. Like I still remember everything about it. Wow. Um, and just, man, you being a creative and doing it and you're always more concerned in following your passion and making sure that you're following what you want to do rather yeah. than pleasing the masses has been something I've always respected about you. Thank you. Um, yeah, man, you're a, you're a dope guy and I really appreciate you coming on and thank you Luke. and having you share. And I, I hope to have you on again because there's still stuff I think we could dig deeper onto. For sure. But um, it was great reconnecting with you. and Thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming out, man. Thank you, man. Thank you for this, this dope venture. Yeah. You know, I think it's going to open up a lot of doors for you. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely nurture and, and develop new relationships for you. Mm-hmm. I hope you um, keep at it and whatever it turns into, you know, just don't shy away from that. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm One of the main reasons I'm using it is because I really feel like I don't have a lot of male mentors in my life besides yeah. my dad and besides like some of my guy friends and I'm really trying to get that yeah, yeah. okay alright Luke yeah thank you thanks boss Listen to this episode on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or anywhere podcasts are available. And please please leave a review on iTunes as it does a lot for us in terms of getting us recognized um, within the app. If you want to be on the show or have any topic ideas, please message me on IG at The Imperfect Pod. Um, You know, playing around with music, transitions, um, a lot of my designs on Instagram. So any feedback that you have regarding that would be much appreciated.